Are you ready to have a good time in church? Anyone already having a good time in church? I hope you're having a good time in church. I, uh, it really is my honor to be here with you. As Pastor James uh, shared, my wife and I moved to Nashville, Tennessee uh, in April of 2012. Uh, as I said earlier, I never thought that we were going to leave Australia. I loved Australia, still love Australia. Uh, and uh, God began to stir our hearts for uh, over the course of a few years about moving to the United States. And uh, God said, go to Nashville. And I said, God, how about you go to Nashville? I want to go somewhere cool. Because when we moved to Nashville, Nashville was not cool. There was, Nashville is the home of Christian music, but it's also the home of country music. Anyone in the room like, do you even have, do you, do you, it's like country music is not even a thing here. I'm going to move to Manila. <laughs> country music was just not my thing. We have a lot of country artists in our church, and I thank God for them, but it's just not my thing. God said, go to Nashville, and I was like, no, sir. The coffee's bad. The food's bad. The coffee's bad. The co- Did I mention the coffee's bad? The music is like, but, you know, God sent us to Nashville, and, uh, you know, before we went, I, I just, I remember praying, saying, God, I need to know what we're going to. I need to know before we go. And he was like, well, that's not how I roll, bro. He was like, if you want to follow me, you got to go before you know. And I'm like, but God, that, that sounds amazing to all these Bible characters, all these mighty men and women of God, but that's not me. <laughs> I'm a kid from Adelaide who moved to Melbourne and I was very happy there. And God said, you got to go before you know. And this is not even part of my message tonight, but I, I wonder if this is an encouragement to some people here in the room or watching online because, see, we want to know before we go. But the truth is, if I knew what I was going to, I would have said no before I could even have chance to know. Because the last thing that I thought I was going to do with my life was pastor a church. I was happy being a worship leader. I was happy mixing and producing records for people. And God did a little Jehovah sneaky When we moved to Nashville, we literally knew nobody. But we began to meet person after person who really were doing incredible things for God in the music community, but just didn't have a home. A lot of people who traveled on the weekends, so they couldn't go to church on Sundays. And after about six months of just meeting all of these people, my wife and I were praying one day saying, God, somebody needs to do something about this. It's not right that these people are out pouring out their hearts, leading worship on platforms and churches all across the nation and nobody's pouring into them. God's like, I was like, oh, not me. But after a few months of just feeling this, this tussle in the spirit, we opened up our home on a Tuesday night and just a small group of people came but encountered the presence of God in such a rich and powerful way. We got to the end of the night, and I was like, great, we did what we needed to do. And they were like, can we come back next week? I was like, no. <laughs> no, I'm busy. They're like, oh, well, we'll come back the week after. And I was like, ah. Oh. But over the course of the next year, a small group of seven people grew to about 120 or 130 people every Tuesday night. And everyone was like, thank God. And I was praying, saying, God, shut it down. I can see what's happening. All these people are starting to call me pastor, and I'm like, I'm not your pastor. No, I'm not gonna do it. 
But you know why? It's not that I didn't love the people. It's because I'd spent a lot of my life being told I was not actually pastoral. That I was good with the work. I was good with the creative. I wasn't that great with I'm not like my wife, who if you know my wife, she's incredible with people. And she gets life being around people. And I love people. But sometimes the, the, the way I show love to people is to not be around people. I'm an introvert by nature, you know. Give me a shout out. Some of my Filipino introverts in the room. Some of you watching online, you're so introverted, you're watching online right now. I break that in Jesus' name. But sometimes God is going to call us to do things that require us to get out of our comfort zone. And I thank God that I was not interested in building a ministry or a platform, but I was just concerned about to pouring into the lives of men and women. And so what God has done over these last nine and a half years since we started The Belonging Co. It's not my idea. It's not our strategy. It's not our blueprint. It was God's design. And we just said yes. I believe if more of us could get a revelation of just saying yes to God's design rather than trying to figure it out on our own, we would see some incredible things happen on the earth, some incredible things happening in Manila already because some people just said, you know what, it's not my design, it's God's design. And we started our church. My wife would preach every week and I would lead worship. And then when she got tired of preaching, I would lead worship and then preach. But I never wanted to be a preacher. I actually thought I was a terrible communicator. And you know what? I was right. I was a terrible communicator when we first started out. And I had to learn how to preach in front of a whole group of people in our church. I wonder if that's why some of them left, you know. But, but I've just stayed faithful to what God has asked me to do. And so tonight I'm not here as a preacher or a communicator. I'm simply here as someone who said yes to Jesus. And I believe that if... God can move in my life just because I said yes to him. I was never the most talented. I was never the number one worship leader. I just said yes when somebody else said no. I was never the number one producer. I just said yes when somebody else said no. I, I was never the number one church planner. I just said yes when somebody else said no. So I want to stir your heart tonight. Just say yes to what God wants to do. See, I believe this breakthrough here in this place tonight. I believe that the power of God is gonna break out in this place tonight, but it's gonna require you. See, this, this is the thing. This church, we are, we're not spectators. We're participators. I'm going to say that again and give you an opportunity to involve yourself as a participant. We're not spectators. We are participators in what God wants to do. All right, ground level, we got this. Middle level, it's your turn. We're not spectators. We are participators there in that first balcony level. All right, all the way up in the nosebleeds. You ready? You ready? We're not spectators. We are participators in what God wants to do tonight. All right. Man, there's some guys so far up right now, I'm getting vertigo, just kind of looking up there. But listen, if you want what God has for you, you can't be a spectator. You've got to be a participator. The woman with the issue of blood needed a breakthrough. She had every excuse, every reason to not 
get the breakthrough because she had been told no by everyone else. But you know what she did? She didn't stand at the edge of the crowd looking on. She did what nobody else was willing to do and that was to push through the crowd to get to Jesus. She didn't care what it looked like. She didn't care how it seemed to everyone else. She just said, Jesus has got what I need and I gotta get to Jesus. See, if you wanna get what Jesus has for you, you gotta be willing to do what nobody else is willing to do. Tonight in this place, God's going to require you to get out of the place that you're in to receive what He has. See, this is not hype, it's hope. We, we got a world full of hype right now. But this is, you know what hype is? Hype, you got to hype something up because it's really not that big a deal and you got to hope everybody else thinks it's a big deal. That's what hype really does. We, we don't have to hype up the gospel. It, we, we should be the most radically excited people on planet Earth. We don't need hype. We got all the hype we need because we got something more important than hype and that is hope. You have hope in Jesus Christ. See, we're not here to make a noise. We're here to raise up a sound. We're not here to make a noise. We're here to raise up a sound. We're not adding to the noise of this world. We are raising up a sound of praise, a sound of worship, a sound of breakthrough, a sound of miracles, a sound of His presence, a sound that will break open the heavens here in this place. So I want to preach to you tonight. Let's pray that I don't lose my voice. But I want to preach to you tonight from Acts chapter 16 from the thought, prophesy with your praise. Prophesy with your praise. Prophesy with your praise. Can we, can we just pray for a minute and ask that God would do what only he can do in this place tonight. Father, we just thank you for your presence. So evident that you're here already it's not about feelings God but we do get to sense you not just know about you but we get to sense you 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 created us in a way that we would have relationship with you in every sense that we have we don't just know you in our minds through the knowledge that you are God even though that is a crucial and foundational piece of the puzzle Father, we sense your presence. We experience your presence. So we invite your presence that's already here. It's not an invitation into the room tonight. God, you were here before we were here. You invited us into this place. But what we pray tonight is, Father, would you help us, help our hearts be ready to receive not just our ears to hear the words through a microphone tonight, but our hearts to receive the Word of God in this place. In Jesus' name, and everybody shout it. Yeah. Oh, everybody shout it. Yeah. You know, Pastor James was talking about, you know, it's not about how good the preacher is. It's about, you know, it's about the soil. He said, you know, you can have the worst preacher. And I thought he was about to introduce me tonight, but... <laughs> That would have been amazing, let's be honest. I want to read to you from Acts 16, starting at verse 16. Not sure if this is on the screen, but it says, Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. 
She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God. Did I wake some of you up? It says they were shout, she was shouting. Who are telling you how to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Now, I love this, this scripture because, you know, I read, I read this next part and I actually don't feel so bad about myself. But it says, finally, Paul became so annoyed. <laughs> Anyone get? No, don't put your hand up. Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to, to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken at once. All the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains fell off. Everyone's chains fell off. Everyone's chains fell off. You realize that there's a breakthrough in this place tonight, not just for those who seem like they're more spiritual, not just for the ones that were jumping around in the praise, not just for the ones that look like they've got the worship moves figured out. There's a breakthrough for everybody. The chains are gonna come off for everybody tonight. See, I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a situation where you felt that it wasn't fair. When I read about Paul and Silas, honestly, I, I think their situation was not fair. It was unjust. They didn't deserve what they got. And yet, unlike many of us, they had a different response. Now, I'm not throwing shade tonight because I include myself in the many of us. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you've thought, why, why is this happening to me? Why, why did I get sick? Why am I going through this financial crisis? Why am I going through that marriage breakdown? Why am I having that difficult time with my children? You look around and, you know, you feel like everybody else's life looks amazing and yours smells like durian. It's being real. If you like that stuff, knock yourself out. But, but this, is, this is something, honestly, I think every one of us have been through at some point. And yet, isn't it amazing that when we walk through it, we think to ourselves that we're the only one that's ever experienced a hard time like that. I'm the only one that's ever gone through this. I'm the only one that's ever struggled like this. God, it's not fair that everyone else, it seems like their life is blessed. Everyone else, it seems like their life is favored. And here I am. And this is where the enemy loves to come and tell us that God's abandoned us, that he's left us, that somehow we messed up so bad that God abandoned us, that we, 
miss the call of God or the word of God can I tell you they are lies of the enemy and tonight if that is where you're at I want you to take a hold of those lies and say you know what there's no space in my life for those lies I'm gonna call those lies out right now in the name of Jesus because we have all been there but can I tell you this tonight friend this is where praise is your greatest weapon you might think to yourself what has praise got to do with any of this I'm glad that you asked but you know, you know, when I, when I st started going to the church where I eventually got saved, I, I got invited to a youth group when I was 16 years of age. And there was this crazy blonde, well, semi-crazy blonde-haired guy who was running the youth ministry, the high school youth ministry. And he was, you know, he would play the, the, the broken old electric piano that they had and he would lead the singing and he would do the offering and he would preach and he would get up and you know play for his own altar call I mean he would do it all and he's an amazing man of God his name's Pastor Russell Evans but I got invited to his youth ministry when I was 16 years of age and I went to that youth ministry for two and a half years before I really gave my life to Jesus but you know when I came to that church I really gave my life to Jesus. I wasn't going to the church. I was just going to the youth ministry. And I, I get radically saved. And so I start showing up to church on a Sunday morning. This is, you know, this is 1993. Anyone, anyone not around, not alive in 1993? Give me a wave. Wow, man. Okay. Man, some, I, it's amazing. <clears throat> Somehow I feel younger than I must be. You know what I mean? But 1993, October 6, 1993, I got saved. And I started going to this church on Sundays. And, you know, they used to talk about the praise time. Isn't it amazing how in church, in Christianity, we have our, you know, our own little lingo, you know, Christianese, we call it. I wanted to start a website called cheesychristianese.com. And I was going to make T-shirts with all the cheesy Christian phrases and then God convicted me. And I was like, but God, you know, and he's like, no, bro. <laughs> and I, I would go to this church and they would talk about the praise time. And I, I, I didn't really understand what it was, honestly, because I, I would show up when they'd start the praise time. And, you know, back then, they didn't really have a lot of praise moves in the church. You know, they used to do this old one that they'd kind of brought over from the 70s called the Pentecostal two-step, you know. And they were singing these songs that I was like, what? Everything sounds so depressing. Just very like minor chordish kind of vibes. I was like, what is happening here? But they, they would they would have this praise time. And and it was fascinating to me because only about half the building was full. You know, like about half the people were there. And then kind of towards the end of the praise time was when everybody else came in. And after a few weeks, I realized I was like, oh, I get this. Okay, all right. So the praise praise is like the Christian version of aerobics. And these Christians are too cheap to buy a gym membership. So they come to church and they get a free aerobicize or praise-a-size, you know. And they, they would be doing their thing there, you know. And I was like, okay, I guess that's what they do, you know. And they would have this, and I was like, okay, praise is the Christian version of aerobics. And then they would have this, this time called the worship time. And everyone, I would, you know, I, see, I, my, my parents took me to a Baptist church when I was younger. Man, you, no, nobody. Ain't nobody jumping or dancing in a Baptist church where I grew up. Nobody raising their hand. I mean, there's was, there was a lot of things they didn't do. And I'm in this church and people are raising their hands and I'm like, they call that worship. And I'm like, I know what worship, worship is like, you know, when you, when you do a workout, then you got to do the cool down after the workout, right? 
And they would just stand there with their arms up in the air and sway around a bit. And they'd let the aroma of their bodies, you know, just minister, you know. We talk about incense rising to heaven. This was not incense, you know. This was, was bad, durian bad, right? But, but, but I, I thought that praise was a style of music, a tempo of music, a, a particular... A particular style that would, you know, bring out of you this, this, this dance or this joy. And I, I do believe, don't get me wrong, I've written a lot of praise songs in my lifetime, but praise is not limited to a style of music. Praise is not limited to a demonstration of our body through singing. Praise is a declaration reminding yourself and your situation that you are not in control, but even when you don't feel like you're in control, God is still on the throne. See, praise is acknowledging the good things of God. Let, let me tell you what the dictionary says about praise. Praise in the dictionary is dis- defined as expressing favorable judgment. Favorable judgment. J- just hang with me tonight. It's, it's God's favorable judgment is what we're talking about when we're praising God. I'm gonna say something that may offend your flesh. So don't leave yet. Don't switch off the stream because I'll unpack this. But I don't believe... I don't believe you can be disappointed with God and truly praising God at the same time. Now, let me just say this to you. If you're disappointed right now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be praising God. If you're disappointed right now, I'm saying the very best thing you can do is praise God. Because our disappointment and our praise of God are diametrically opposed. And so often when we get disappointed, we actually want to stop praising. But actually we need to get into the place of praising because our praise will bring us up and out of that place of disappointment. Why do we get disappointed? Because we think that there's already been a judgment on our situation. I get disappointed with God because I prayed for something and I didn't see it happen. And so I feel like that's the judgment, that's the final declaration over my situation. And so we get disappointed with God, but I wonder if we've made a judgment that God never made because we judge God on our timeline and God's timeline is not our timeline. (laughs) The Bible says that a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day to God. Some of those things you've been praying for might feel like they've been taking a thousand years. But can I tell you, friend, you don't praise him once you got it. You begin to praise him before you got it. See, we got to learn how to praise. Your disappointment might be a roadblock, but praise is the gateway to freedom. This is where the devil wants to keep. He wants to keep you in a place where you shut down your praise because the enemy knows that praise is the gateway out of the place that you're in. Praise is a declaration of God's favorable judgment over your situation. He's bigger than that sickness. He's bigger than that financial issue. He's bigger than that issue in your marriage right now. He's bigger than that area of sin that you just can't get free of. God is bigger. He's bigger than the need for a church building. He's bigger than the things that you're walking through right now. God is bigger. So we praise Him because we know who He already is. This is why we praise Him. You have a choice to allow your circumstance to dictate your praise or your praise to dictate your circumstance. 
I remember Pastor Russell would say this all the time. He'd say, you know, so often we lower our theology to our experience rather than bring our experience up to our theology. See, I want to praise God even when I haven't seen God in the situation that I'm in. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to prophesy with my praise. I'm sorry. That was not it. <laughs> Just turn to your other neighbor like you actually believe it tonight. Say, I'm going to prophesy with my praise. All right, come on, turn back to that other neighbor one more time. And just with all you've got in you, just say, I'm going to prophesy with my praise. Up in the balcony, tell me, I'm going to prophesy with my praise. All right. Praise means to glorify. What are you glorifying in your life right now? Are you glorifying your pain or God's power? Are you glorifying your financial woes or God's wonder? Are you glorifying your depression or the God who delivers? Are you glorifying feeling overwhelmed or the God who overcomes? It's your choice tonight. Psalm 34. It's a psalm that David wrote when he was literally fearing for his life. And this is what he says in Psalm 34, it says, I will extol the Lord at all times. Think about that for a moment. I don't feel like praising God right now. I'm sad. I'm mad. Bad enough. I'm sick. I'm overwhelmed. These are all very real things. For I'm not making light of those things. But David doesn't say, you know what? I'm going to praise God on the days that I feel really good. And the other days I'll be like, meh. That's not what he says. He says, I will extol the Lord at all times. It's not a suggestion. It is a declaration. It is a decision. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. This poor... Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around him who reverently fear him and he delivers them. Now you might read this and think, well, that's easy for David to say. Except that when he wrote this psalm, this was not the reality of the situation that he was in. He wasn't free. He hadn't been delivered yet. But he made a decision. Oh, I know the gateway to my freedom. And it's not sitting around the place whining and moaning and screaming at somebody on Twitter or freaking out about something else that I'm seeing. I'm, I know the gateway to my freedom is praise. I will, I will, I will, I will. But, you know, we, we have... We have two children. I'll tell you a little bit of our story a bit later. But you know, when our kids were little, they would come to, say, come to us and say, Daddy, I can't do that. And my wife would say, no, it's, it's not that you can't. It's that you won't. There is no I can't. It's just a simple decision between I will or I won't. I can't do that. It's like, no, you can. It's whether you will or you won't. Oftentimes we... Probably don't say these words, but what we 
witness with our lives is I won't praise the Lord right now because I don't feel like it. I won't praise the Lord. I'll, I'll show up to church. I'll do the... See, see my, my, my kids, it, it was like this when, when they were little, they would, sometimes they would tell me a yes, but I could see in their eyes what they really meant was no. God's not looking for our lip service. This doesn't mean tonight, friend, if you don't feel like praising God that you should feel condemned, that you should feel like you're not worthy. No, this is the very way to break through in your life. Because there are many times that I've not felt like praising God. I don't believe David felt like praising God. That's why I think he started this song. So I'm going to make a choice. I got to make a choice. Because the other choice is to abandon God. And I don't want to lose hope. What you glorify determines what you get. When you stop glorifying God and start glorifying your circumstance, you stand in the way of the miracle that God wants to do. See, God, God doesn't need to hear our praises because he's insecure. God doesn't wake up in the morning and be like, oh man, I... I I better check online and see how many people have liked me today and you know, how many people are telling me good things about me because I'm a little bit insecure. I'm just not sure about myself. Oh, 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 oh Jesus, it's good, that it's good that they're praising me today because I just really needed them to God doesn't need our praise. God knows who he is. He doesn't need to hear our praise. He loves to hear our praise. He doesn't need to hear our praise. What he needs is for us to hear our praise so that he knows that we know who he is. Some of you are like, whoa, man. Let, let me put it like this. Praise is your weapon against the plans of the enemy because praise reveals what you truly believe about God. See, when I praise God, God sees, man, he got a revelation. Man, Harry's been walking through it. He's been struggling in this, you know, health area in his life. He's been struggling with, he's, he's had a hard time just trying to figure out this thing with church. But he's choosing to praise me because he got a revelation of who I am. See, this is, this is why praise is so important in our lives. It's not enough to just know the Word of God. It, you've got to know the God of the Word. I think sometimes we, and I see this all the time, people who, you know, think that, they're gonna, you know, reciting a Bible verse, it just over and over and over, it's like some mantra that's gonna bring, you know, breakthrough in their life. We have this, this store in, in, in America called Hobby Lobby. And Hobby Lobby is kind of like where you buy all your trinkets and you buy all these things and, and, they, and they're, the owners are Christians and they're beautiful, amazing people. But they sell, you know, like scriptures and they have all these, like, you know, posters with scriptures and people in the South where I live they, they love to put these things all over their house they love to have the scripture on the wall because they think that if they have the scripture on the wall then they don't have to live by what the scripture says because the scripture's on the wall <laughs> it's not how it works see I can I can recite Philippians 4 6 8 do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus 
See, I can recite that, but if I'm still anxious, you know what that says to me? It says that I know how to read the Word, but I don't know the God of the Word. It's not enough to just recite these things. The reason that you walk through the struggles and the trials that you do, it's not because God sent them, but He will use them so that He can reveal in your heart what it is that you truly believe about who He is. See, the more you experience His nature, the more you want to praise Him. I praise God because He's a healer, but you know what? I had to walk through a a season of needing a healing to find out that He was a a healer. See, I, I I can say that God is faithful, but you know what? I had to walk through a season of needing God to show Himself faithful before I could truly know that He is faithful. Now, you know what? I I haven't seen everything that I've asked and believed God for, but I believe that is what true faith is all about, is understanding that even if I don't see it in my own life, surely I'm gonna see it in someone else's life, and if I don't, I'm, I'm gonna find it somewhere in the Word of God, and I'll remind myself time and time and time again that if He did it for someone else, then He can do it for me. Now, I may not see it on this side of eternity, but I don't praise God because of what I see on this side of eternity. I praise Him for who I know He is on the other side of eternity, the one who's always been, who is, and will always be. He's never changed, and He never will. So I don't praise Him based on how my circumstance changes because circumstance will change, but God will never change. I praise Him for who He is. So you know what? So often we want to plan but what we really need is His presence. We, we want to plan, but what we need is His presence. See, praise is the gateway to His presence. What if we could stop looking for an exit strategy and start looking for an entry point for His presence? This, this is going to convict some of you in the room tonight, including me here on the stage. What if we could stop praying that God would take us out of the situation? If I can get back to Paul and Silas for a second. Paul and Silas don't look for a plan. It doesn't say in the midnight hour, we found them moaning and complaining, calling the front office, leaving a review on Google. Oh, this prison smells. Oh, I I give it one star. They're not wasting their breath. They're not wasting their words. And you know what? They're not wasting their opportunity. What do they do? They begin to praise. Honestly, stupid idea in the natural. You're in a room full of prisoners. Some of them probably murderers. It's not like, it's not like this day. And I mean, this is primitive stuff they're locked up it's in unjust nothing about the situation is favorable but you know what when you're going to believe for more sometimes you got to push through a situation that doesn't seem favorable to welcome in the favor of God can I can I just take a moment and digress from my notes here a little bit but you, you it's easy to call your church favor see our church is called the belonging Co. People are like, at first they're like, man. Some people are like, that's stupid. And other people are like, man, that's the most creative name I've ever heard. And then other people are like, what does the co mean? The co means company. See, they're really a business. They just want your money. I mean, like literally, we've heard it all. 
just a little side note, the word company actually didn't originate as a business term. It comes from the 1100s. It's actually a French military term. And, and what it really means is, is, is it's about a group of people, soldiers, who know how to go to battle together, but also come back to the mess hall and break bread together. And when I heard that, I was like, man, isn't that a picture of what the church should be? That we should be able to be out there on the, on the mission field fighting battles, but then also come back and share bread and share a meal together and share life. That's what a true company is. I got excited about that. But you know what? Our church is called the Belonging Co. And it could be easy for people to be, for us to be like, yeah, you come to the Belonging Co and you just belong. <laughs> Woo! That is not the case. We have to be even more intentional to not ride on our name. We gotta live up to our name. And I just feel the Holy Spirit say this to us tonight because, and this is not a, it's not a, this is not a critique of you. This is an encouragement. You can't call yourself favor unless you're willing to step up and give God opportunity to show His favor in your life. But you know what? Oh, in order for Him to be able to show His favor, you got to first walk through something that's unfavorable. Oh, why did I go to this church? But see, this is where the glory and the power of God is revealed. When situations feel unfavorable, what does the Bible say about Mary? It says that she was favored, even though in the natural, a 15-year-old girl who's a single mother at that time, saying that she's about to give birth to the Son of God. Her situation is not favorable. But she was favored, favored by God. You're going to walk through some stuff that the world's going to look at you. You're even going to get tempted to say, man, this is not favorable. God's saying, but I'm going to show my favor. See, listen, you may not get the outcome that you want, but His presence will give you a different outlook. See, we get fixated on outcomes. God's saying, hey, it's not about outcomes, it's about outlook. I love that old song that we sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. There's, there's some, some bright lights up the top here. I'm not... I'm, I'm, I'm not encouraging you to do this because, you know, I don't want you to be like, well, I looked in the light, now I'm blind. Please don't do that. But, you know, <laughs> if, if, I, if I stare in that, that light up there, man, this, this one's right in front of me. It's very bright. And even if I just stare at it for a second, you know what it does? It impacts my vision. The longer I stare at it, the more it impacts my vision. In fact, even right now, I can't really even see what's in front of me. <laughs> it's amazing because the longer I look at the light, 
the more everything else I see around me is going to be impacted by what, you know what's going to happen? Everything that I look at after I've been looking at the light is going to be seen through a lens that has been impacted by the light. So someone could walk up to me and, and, and I'd be like, I think that's Pastor James. But I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to trust that it is because I can't quite clearly see who it is. I can roll with me here. See, I can have some ugly situations walk up. To, this is just a separate point. I'm not talking about Pastor James being ugly. Just a separate point, right? <laughs> Period. Let's go over here. I can have an ugly situation come into my view. But when I've been staring at the light, I can't see exactly how ugly that situation really is. So I'm relying on what I'm seeing through the lens of the light. But you know, over time, the imprint begins to fade. And I wonder if some of us find ourselves in situations where we're so stuck in the situation right now, we're so fixated on the situation, we're so fixated on an outcome because we've forgotten about our outlook. If we would just lift our eyes and fix our eyes upon Jesus, all of a sudden, we have a different perspective. All of a sudden, we have a different outlook. All of a sudden, those things that were bothering us that we could see, every little detail that was really bothering us, all of a sudden, we can't see those things anymore. Why? Because our vision has been impacted. See, praise. When you praise, what are you doing? You're fixing your eyes on Jesus and saying, Jesus, Oh, I love you, Jesus. I work. Jesus, I glorify you. Jesus, I magnify you. And as I look to you, as I worship you, as I thank you, all of a sudden the other things become way less visible in my life. I get a perspective shift through praise. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to prophesy with my praise. I'm going to prophesy with my praise. See, every time you silence your praise, you amplify your defeat. Our praise signals an alarm bell to the enemy that his days are numbered. See, Paul and Silas didn't get hung up on their situation because they had a revelation. They had a revelation. They didn't get intimidated by what was going on around them because they knew what was in them. When was the last time you stopped in the middle of that situation and said, you know what? I might be in it, but I'm not of it. There's a mess going on around me. But there's a God inside of me who's bigger than the mess that's going on around me. See, sometimes you just got to let your praise get a little bit loud. Just a little bit louder than your situation. When we were first married, my wife and I have been married for 20, we just celebrated 25 years. We got married when we were in middle school. No, that's just a joke. No. Some of you are like, really? No. We, uh, we will believe in God for children. I'll finish the rest of the story in a minute. But, you know, part of, part of our journey is we, we had to believe God for a miracle. And I remember getting on a plane from Melbourne to LA one day, 14 hours. And I remember as I got on the plane, 747, 
used to love the 747s. It's the worst thing that they've stopped flying, 747s. It's just my favorite plane. But get on that 747 and that front door just, you know. And it was like almost every single time this would happen. Just, you know, like there'd be a little, a little infant, a little baby on the plane. It's like they'd be absolutely, perfectly calm until that door would be like, and then that little infant would be like, what's wrong with all of us? What's wrong with my parents? Why have they just strapped me into a bassinet, into a metal cylinder that's somehow going to defy gravity and be at 38,000 feet for way too long with way too many people? And that little baby would be like, For like 14 hours, right? <laughs> and then, you know, <laughs> touchdown in, in LA and the baby was like, ah, and they fall asleep. <laughs> I remember this one day getting irritated by this, this little baby that was crying. And God was like, oh, wow, okay, so what if, what if the baby that was crying right now was actually your baby, the answer to the prayer that you've been praying? I was like, oh, okay, God. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to thank God for that baby. I'm going to thank God for that screaming child. I'm going to thank God for that poopy smell that I smell right now because, you know, it's, it's pooped his pants and the parents are, you know, asleep and nobody wants to change the diaper or the nappy or whatever you guys call it. He, you know, like this, th- th- there was a, there was, it was offensive to everybody else. You know what? Sometimes your miracle, sometimes the praise that you need to get your miracle is going to be offensive to everybody else. But you know what? I'd rather allow my praise to be offensive to everybody else around me so that they can see the miracle that God wants to do. Sometimes your praise is going to irritate the people around you who also need a miracle. But we got to press in because they don't even know that the praise that's irritating them is actually paving a way for the miracle that they need from God. I said to this, to, to our church so many times, our praise precedes a miracle. Right, roll with me. Anyone good at English, like study English? Anyone got a master's in English? Okay, that's neither do I, so that's good. We're on the same, the same playing field here. <laughs> so he, hear me, because this is a little... Somebody else want to preach? Okay. All right. <laughs> Our praise precedes the miracle. P-R-E-C-E-D-E-S. That's how we spell precedes, right? But I also believe this. Our praise precedes, P-R-E hyphen S-E-E-D-S. Hola. What's what's that wow word that you say? Grabe. Is that right? Grabe. Wow. Oh, say it again, pastor. Okay, I will. I'll praise P-R-E hyphen S-E-E-D-S. I believe our praise is the seed to see our miracles come to fruition in our life. Man, I got chewed out on Instagram so bad for posting that one day. 
People are like, what are you saying? You're like, just, you know, it's all this manipulative speech and you're trying to manipulate God. And blah, blah. I'm like, no. I'm simply doing what David did. David didn't have his breakthrough before he praised God. But his praise, I believe, opened the door to his breakthrough. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. I'm going to end with this tonight. And I believe God wants to break something off of you. But as I was saying just a few minutes ago, you know, when Alex and I were first married, we, we talked about having kids. And then we practiced trying to have kids for all the married couples in the room. And we were doing lots of practicing, but we were not seeing the fruition of children. And so a couple of years into our marriage, my wife was like, maybe, you know, maybe we need to go and talk to the doctor about this. And so my wife went to the doctor, because I hate the doctors. So she went first. Praise God for all the women in the room. But she went to see her doctor, whose name was Dr. Needle. Dr. Needle. There's a reason enough for me to not go. When I was a kid, they would pull out a needle to give me a shot, and I would pass out at the sight of the needle. True story. In fact, I'd like to say even when I was an adult, (laughs) I would pass out. She went to see Dr. Needle. They ran some tests, and they came back and called my wife in and said, "Uh, Miss Alex, um, Listen, we've diagnosed you with a condition. Uh, you have a condition called hyperpro- sorry, hyperprolactinemia. I'm just a mute musician. It was hard for me to learn that word, right? But hyperprolactinemia. It's basically a long word to describe a microscopic tumor on the base of her pituitary gland that was fooling her body into thinking that she was already pregnant. And so we can do all the practice we want, but we're not going to get pregnant because her body already thinks that it's pregnant. So she was like, okay, um, so what do we do? And the doctor said, well, there's two things that you could do. One is we can put you on a medication. It's like a mild form of chemotherapy kind of drug. And it will shrink the tumor. Uh, But the risk is uh, that this drug is powerful enough if you do conceive that it will probably, in fact, a 99% chance will kill the baby in the womb before you even realize that you're pregnant. So we don't recommend that you do that. And I was like, you think? Okay. What's the other option? I'm like, surely this lady's got some good news for us. She's a doctor. She's studied. She's spent tens of thousands of dollars to learn about science. She's got plaques all over the wall showing her authority as a doctor to give us an outcome that we want. She said, well... The other option is you and your husband make a decision that you'll never have kids. It's like, wait, what? That's not, that's not an option. It's like, there are no other options. I remember my wife coming home and we were living in, living in a little home and Highbury in South Australia, in Adelaide. We sat around our little table and 
She began to tell me, and we just began to weep. After a few minutes, I just was like, man, something's, something's not right here. Something doesn't smell right. That durian smell just beginning. Invade our world. See, the thing was, before we were even married, somebody had prophesied over my wife that she would have a, a daughter and a son. A daughter and a son. A daughter and a son. So you know what we did? We took a hold of that word that we had. And we just said, God, we don't feel like praising you right now. But I'd rather praise you through my tears than give up in defeat. We held hands and we prayed. You know, I'd love to say that the next day, a week later, a month later, for the next two and a half years, we walked a journey of faith. There were some days that we were so full of faith, we were convinced that God would do it that very day. There are other days we were so discouraged, but we had to come back to that moment and say, we will not allow the atmosphere of the enemy to dominate our minds, our hearts, our faith. So, you know, we began to talk about, see, I used to travel a lot. We would actually travel quite a bit together. We began to talk about what it was going to be like, you know, being in the airport, you know, like us, you know, carrying guitar gear and, and, and pedal boards and, and bags and stuff and kids stuff and, you know, seat, car seats. Like we, we would begin to talk about it. And after a while, people were like kind of talking to themselves like, oh, we're a little bit worried about our friends. I think they're going a little bit crazy because they keep talking about these kids that they're going to have, but they don't have kids. Somebody needs to tell them. It's like, you know what? Kind of sounds like Job's friends. You know, Job, you should just curse God. And And it wasn't that we were walking in ignorance, but we walked in faith. And there was a night that my wife was at church. It wasn't a special night, even though church is special every time we come together. But it wasn't anything different than normal. She was just at the altar. Pastor Neil Smith actually came and prayed for her. And that night, she sent something shift in her body. Three months later, we found out we were pregnant with our baby girl, Holly, who's about to turn 20 years of age. A couple years later, we had another child. You know what we had? Daughter and a son. We hung on to the Word of God. Can I tell you though? It was not an easy journey. But you know what was so beautiful about it? Aside from the fact that God gave us the promise, what was maybe equally as powerful was the amount of people that began to come to us afterwards who'd say, Henry, Alex, we've been struggling to have kids. And we'd given hope we watched you never waver we knew how hard the journey was and we saw God give you the miracle and guess what we've just found out we're pregnant I can't tell you how many times I've heard that story 
Now, not every single time, because I pray for people that haven't received it yet, but I'm still believing. I won't give up hope. But you know what I had to do? I had to, we had to dominate the atmosphere of our life with praise. We had to dominate the atmosphere of our lives with praise. We had to dominate the atmosphere of our lives with praise. And I want to invite you to stand to your feet tonight, whether you're here in this room or watching online right now. See, there's never a right time to lift up your praise. There's never a right time to lift up your praise. Praise isn't reserved for Sunday morning. It's not reserved. Your, your special praise is not reserved for conference. Man, I can't wait for conference because then I can really go pray, crazy and praise. It's not what conference is. It's, it's part of what conference is for. But I believe God wants to raise up men and women who understand how to praise, not just in the house of God, but more importantly, outside of the house of God. I want you to close your eyes across this room tonight because I don't know what God wants to do, but I do know He wants to do something that's personal and powerful for you. I said this at the start of my message tonight. You don't get your breakthrough by standing on the outside. You don't get the breakthrough by standing on the outer watching everyone else press it. I know in this place, I know right now just because I know your church well enough, if I said, I'm gonna open this altar, half of the room would already come even before I've given an altar call. I know, and I love the hunger here in this room. But what I believe tonight is not about the ministry that somebody else can do for you by laying hands on you, even though that is powerful and important. What I believe God wants to do in His church on the earth right now is raise up men and women who are mature in their faith because they're mature in their walk with God, which means they're mature in their praise of God. These next few minutes, this is not gonna be about making noise, but we're gonna raise up a sound. We're gonna raise up a sound. And my prayer is, that the one in the room that's more disappointed than anyone else would raise up the loudest praise. The one in the room who's struggling more than anyone else would raise up the loudest praise. The one who's been struggling with that health condition that the doctors can't figure out, that is wearing you down, you feel like you got nothing else in you. Can I tell you, that woman with the issue of blood, what did she do? She pressed through in her praise. She pressed through in her praise. She pressed through because she knew who Jesus was. So before this band takes it to the place where it's easy for us to pray, I want you right now, wherever you are, Whatever you're walking through, I want you to just begin to lift up your praise like your life depends on it right now. And this is not just about noise. This is about declarations of who God is. Come on, declare with your own lips. God, I know who you are. God, I worship you because you are my healer even when I haven't seen it. I worship you because you're my provider even when I don't feel like it's happening. Come on, just begin to fill this place with your praise. Come on, prophesy with your praise. Wherever you are, you might be in pain, but lift up a praise that's louder than your pain right now.
Come and He's the God who was and is and always will be. You may not have seen it, but keep praising like you know that He's about to do it. Come on, He's good, He's good, He's good, He's good. He's good. He's never not been good. He's never not been good. He's never not been good. 